It's Friday. It's 10 o'clock. It's Babs Rolls Ivy. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. So today, 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 my guest is Tom E. Brown, my dear friend, my love, and fabulous filmmaker. He's calling in from San Francisco today to talk about his new film, Pushing Dead. It's an AIDS comedy. Let that sink in. It's an AIDS comedy. And it has um, some strong, strong talent in this film. Uh, James Roday. The fabulous Danny Glover, Robin Weigart, the fabulous, fabulous, fabulous and beautiful Condi Alexander and Tom Riley. So my friend Tommy Brown directed this film and I know some of the story about this film because I am forever and eternally a member of Bugsby Pictures. (laughs) For all of my life, I will forever be a member of Bugsby Pictures. And this is a Bugsby Picture thing. So he's going to come in. And we're going to talk about this film, what it took to make it, how he's doing in his life, you know, what this whole crazy thing of film is about. And, you know, when you have a call on your life to do certain things, you just do them. So um, he's a delight and a joy and he's funny and he's got the best blue eyes of anybody other than Paul Newman, right? Like he's got, he's got these blue eyes that make you lose your mind. Um, So he'll be on in a few minutes and we'll talk, talk. But I want to tell you about this film. The film, um, uh, the description of the film, and I posted up on my Facebook page, the Love Talk, Love Babs Facebook page, so you can sort of, you could see a trailer of it. So the film is when a struggling writer, HIV positive for 20 plus years, accidentally deposits a $100 birthday check. He has dropped from his health plan for earning too much. In this new era of sort of universal care, can he take on a, a helpless bureaucracy or come up with $3,000 a month to buy meds. And so the story, I guess, is all about that. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. And the trailer is really, really good. And uh, Tommy Brown is amazing. So he'll call me in a minute. He'll get in here. Uh, the film is touring. It's making its rounds at film festivals as we speak. Um, and so... I think some point he's coming uh, to the East Coast. I think he is um, solidly on the West Coast right now because I know it's been making its way around um, a couple of film festivals. And so he posts them. So I try to keep up with uh, um, like September 15th. He was they were at Chicago at the International Film Festival. Um, They were at the Austin Film Festival, um, too, in, in September. Uh, they were at the Seattle Queer Film Festival, September 12th, <laughs> and they were uh, they were screening in Calgary, uh, September 7th, and San Diego, um, late August. 
So the film is making its rounds around the country. It's making its rounds. So I'm just waiting for him to call in. He'll call in. I know it's rather early, right? Early, early, early there. And I gave him the number um, yesterday. So he should be calling in. But I know Tommy Brown because I got to know him uh, from back in the day when he used to live here in New Haven. He's from Stanford. Uh, but he used to live in New Haven. And we all knew each other from Citizens Television, public access. And we used to have so much fun, like him and Bet Allen and Mike Fransman and uh, um, Alonzo and just a whole bunch of, uh, uh, a whole bunch of uh, Jamie Burnett and all these guys. It was just a motley crew of folks, talented, artistic, creative, energetic people. And so I just kind of tagged along for the ride, right? Because I, I had no real skill for any of that. And so what I've learned is what they taught me, how to do things. Um, and it was fun. And it was exciting. And it was, I don't know, it was just a good time. And we partied and we got to know movies and make movies. And So he's done um, videos for um, John Popper of Blues Travelers. Um, he's done... My favorite chicken and toys, which I think you probably could still see on Citizens Television, which is funny because now I'm on the um, Citizen on the uh, uh, Community Television Advisory Board, the Cable Television Advisory Board. So I've come full circle in my life, <laughs> taking me back to my public access days. So um, he should be calling in any time now. He has a number. And we'll talk about this movie. I'm so excited about this movie. So um, if you have an opportunity to check out the film, see it. Um, I'll keep you posted on where it's playing. And the trailer is good. And he has Danny Glover. And, you know, I just saw Danny Glover. I just I saw Danny Glover at a um, justice event and took a picture with him. <laughs> And so I posted my picture of me and Danny Glover and Tommy Brown posted the picture of Danny Glover working on his film. And so we would have this thing about who could post like pictures of Danny Glover and then he would post them and he would say, Oh yeah, look, this is Danny Glover working on my film. I was like, Oh yeah, look, this is me and Danny Glover at the event. <laughs> so, so I don't think Danny Glover knows one doggone thing about me, uh, but he is one of the nicest people ever and um it was just a delight meeting him and so to see him in my friend tommy brown's film is like a big deal it's a big deal so is candy alexander and y'all know candy alexander she's um she's um olivia pope's mom and scandal like she's that terrorist mother <laughs> like she's a god honest terrorist <laughs> and uh oh you may know her from um treme that the, the miniseries, um, the cable miniseries, the cable series that was based in New Orleans. Um, and it was gritty and got critical acclaim. And so, yeah, so I, I caught up. I watched Treme a little bit, uh, but I'm a big Scandal fan. So I know uh, Candy Alexander um, from Scandal and a lot of other films, too. So like a lot of other a lot of other um, artistic endeavors. I mean, she's quite talented. So. 
So I'm just waiting for my friend Tommy Brown because it has to be, what, three hours different? So it's what, seven o'clock? Babs, tell our listeners how you're doing this morning while we wait for Tommy. I'm good. I, I, I overslept. I'm sorry, ugly radio family. I over <laughs> I overslept this morning. So I got up and I raced downtown. So if you saw me, I'm not looking fabulous. I'm looking sweatpants and t-shirt. Hey, Lucy Gelman. Hey, Mabs Rolls Ivy. How, How are, are you? you? You are looking fabulous. You mm. always look fabulous. Mm. I'm so happy I found parking in front because I was really going to be challenged if I had to drive around the block. <laughs> And find parking and then like run up here. So I hung out last night with Markeisha um, Ricks and my friend Andrew Kaplan and uh, Christine Josie Bartlett at Ordinary last night having Ordinary, the Extraordinary Love Babs cocktail. And, uh, and actually Babs, you know, some listeners might not know about that. So can you tell me and tell them about it while we're waiting? The, the, the Love Babs cocktail is, it's, wait, let me me go back. So Tim Cabral, who is one of the owners of Ordinary, which is this fabulous bar downtown New Haven, right? Used to be the old Richters. So he was on my show because I met him at a City Seed event that Tegan Ingle invited me to. See, New Haven is so interwoven, right? So we went to this food event. I took my friend Cheryl Doss, who actually, actually is moving to teach at Oxford as we speak. Anyway, she and I went to um, the City Seed foodie event, and it was really good. So Tim Cabral was mixing drinks to go with the food that we were cooking. So we got there late, so we got in, we got there just in time for the drink mixing part, which I think that's just how I roll. So uh, so they got the, We got there. We got to talking, and we hit it off. And he's you know he's cute. You know I have a thing for cute guys. So he's cute as all get up, and we talk talk. And I said, oh, you should come on my show. He's like, what show? I said, you know, my radio show, you know, on WNHH. He's like, oh, yeah, I know them. I know, I know um, Paul Bass and those guys. I said, yeah, 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 come over, let's talk. So he's like, oh, I don't do radio. <laughs> it's like my, my partner does radio. I was like, I know, I saw your partner. That's how, I, that's how I made the connection because I've seen him over in the New Haven Independent Studios. I said, but I'd like to talk to you because you're doing all this mixing and I'd really like to talk about the return of cocktails and the return of cocktail hour. So reluctantly, he's like, okay, can I bring cocktails? <laughs> so he brought a cocktail. So in the course of having cocktails at 10 o'clock in the morning and talking about cocktails, uh, he, I discovered that he, for the last several years, has been doing the um, Feast from the Fields at Common Ground. Well, I'm on the Common Ground board. And I have two kids to go to Common Ground. And he was like, really? And I was like, I've never seen you. He's like, well, I've never seen you. So we started talking about the fundraiser, the Feast of Fields. So he's like, you should have a cocktail. I said, I know. He's like, no, a cocktail is a fundraiser. I was like, really? You could do that? He's like, yeah, just come and we'll create a cocktail. So me, Markeisha, and Michelle Turner, <laughs> we, we bellied up to the bar and drank like a whole bunch of cocktails until we settled on the Love Babs cocktail. So it has... I don't know what is it has um, bourbon because I like bourbon, apronol, um, ginger beer, and um, I think that's it. That's enough. So is it sweet, a little spicy? No, it's not sweet. It's like a guy would drink this and not feel like he was drinking a fruity drink. 
He would drink this drink and feel like, you know what? This is, even though it's pink looking, even though it's pink, it's pretty. It's a pretty drink. Uh, it's lots of ice, a little lemon zest, rind thing, and a beautiful cherry. So, I don't know where my friend Tommy Brown is, but I'll just keep talking. Um, so, the cocktail is called the Love Babs Cocktail. And they have it posted up in their in the restaurant. So you could see it because it's special. And and they put it in their menu. Like, so when you open the menu and you look at cocktails, you see the Love Babs Cocktail and, and how it came to be. How, the history of why, why it is. And, what, and it's a $20 cocktail. And $10 goes to Common Ground. So I'm hoping that we raise a little bit of money, right, to to give to the school. That's my contribution. <laughs> and it's is it being it's being sold all month, right? It's for the whole month. So you got like I don't know ten days left to go get you a got you. It ends on the it ends on the thirtieth. So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You have eight days. Eight days. I'm just saying. And. Eight. I should mention, I found this out, that if you believe that Common Ground's a good cause, if, if you're interested in supporting Babs and Common Ground, but you uh, you don't like bourbon, <laughs> then you can say, well, I'd like that gin drink, but can we call it the Love Babs? And they'll, yes. they'll do that for they you. They will do it because people have come in whining about, well, you know, only a few people have whined and said, I don't really drink that. I'd like to drink what I drink and I'll pay. Absolutely. You can drink whatever you like. Just pay the $20. <laughs> That's all. Just pay pay the $20. So tell listeners what you're going to be doing this weekend while we're waiting for uh, for Mr. T- Is it Tom? Tom, Tom, Tom E. Brown. Um, I'm on a panel today at Yale, at the Yale Law School, with Will, Real Women, Real Voices. And this is talking about um, women who were formerly incarcerated, who are incarcerated um, talking about their stories and what it means and where we are and that kind of thing and um, some legislative action that can happen, that should happen, um, the state of affairs for women who are incarcerated. Um, and so it's a big conference, and they've got some really powerful people um, um, participating. And they have invited me. I mean, you know, Beatrice Codiani is a, a friend of mine who I met at Danbury Federal Prison Camp. And she was on my show with Topeka Sam uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about this. And they um, and they had already invited me to come. So I'm excited to go and just be in the presence of these powerful women. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how much I can contribute to anything, but um, I certainly am part of that community. Um, so I want to, to, to support that. And then Saturday, they are having a closed meeting. Um, with women because they want it to be safe so that women, formerly incarcerated women or or women who have people in their family who are incarcerated, to sort of talk about their experience. Um, I don't think I'll make that on Saturday um, because I've got another commitment. Um, and I'm, there's a possibility that I may go to the Divine Nine Ball at the Omni Hotel. And the Divine Nine Ball is, you know, is what the, the black fraternities and sororities, are, we are often called as the Divine Nine um, four, four sororities, five fraternities. Um, and so they're having, there's this organization that's organizing and they're having this big gala uh, Saturday night at the Omni. Um, so I was, I was thinking I might want to go, but I'm tired. <laughs> I ran myself ragged last week. Last week I went to Rachel Harima's wedding. 
Rachel Harim, well, she married um, Chris Searcher, so I don't want to make it seem like it was just her wedding. <laughs> just her. Just her. Rachel and Chris Searcher. It was, it was so beautiful. Where was it? It was at my church, Church of the Redeemer. And it was at 2 o'clock. So I went. And then I ran home, changed, went to Feast of the Fields. And stayed there till about 7. And then ran home, changed into a gown and went to the Jamaican-American Connection. Um, had a gala and they had the minister of education from Jamaica come and keynote. And he was really fascinating to listen to. Uh, I enjoy, you know, that's one of my favorite events there, the Jamaican American connection, uh, because uh, the Caribbean folks, man, they know how to really, they really know how to put on an event. They throw a party and the hospitality is um, incredible. So shout out to, uh, K Holness, you know, over at Hairs K. She is the the president of that organization. Um, and they really put on a really nice thing. It was at Zandry's Stillwater Inn in Wallingford, North Haven, wherever it is. And uh it was it was such a good time. So I and I got to sit next to the Minister of Education and uh and just talk to him a little bit about education in Jamaica versus, you know, the rest of the diaspora for people of color. And uh, and he was talking about how uh, they are having trouble getting kids uh, to go to secondary education, you know, like to get through high school, mm-hmm. to go on. Um, and if they do go on, what's the economic situation? Like what, you know, everybody's focused on finding jobs. And so they don't want to take away from the time from finding jobs for an education because jobs are so scarce on Jamaica. So, so I thought that was a fascinating discussion, and I was really um, moved by it. So, so you know, so yeah. So that was my that was my weekend. That was my weekend, and yay for me. <laughs> Doing too much, but I I have a lot to do. I have a lot going on. Everybody does, and this time of the year, everybody's trying to get their organizations in before the all their organization events in before the weather turns. <laughs> oh, I know it. <laughs> Well, the weather gets all crazy as it as it wants to do in New England. So it's supposed to be beautiful this weekend, though. If you uh, if you're planning on having another gala gala uh, extravaganza, it's um. I need to gala myself on my couch and do some more. <laughs> I have some other. Work. I have projects that I'm trying to launch and do. I cannot be running to all these places. Although they are fun to get dressed up. Like it's it really is fun to get all dressed up and put on sparkly shoes. But I think I've I've I'm, I've met my quota. <laughs> You're gallant out. I think I'm gallant out. Oh, Marquisha and I were in Harlem last week. We went to see Lovey Ajay. Um, her book just reached the New York Times bestseller. I think she's like number five. Um, I'm judging you, and I don't know if people follow Lovey Ajay, um, but she is a contemporary um, gadfly of sorts. You know, she's a, a critic, a political critic. And a pop culture critic. And she's funny as all get up. And she's a wisp of a woman. And she's from Nigeria, right? So she comes with all that side eye kind of thing. Uh, and I just love her. I love her. I met her at um, Blog Her last year in New York. And I saw her at her book signing. And she signed my books. And she talked to me because she, she's like, Babs, I know you. <laughs> Uh, you know, you never know who knows you. I mean, you know, you meet people all the time. Who knows? So, so, um, 
So we were in Harlem hanging around. We went to the Schomburg, which I love the Schomburg. You know, Harlem has changed so much. I hardly recognize. Mm. I got so turned around. Now, I used to go to Harlem every weekend when I had dreadlocks to get my hair done. I used to work in New York. I used to spend a great deal of time in Harlem. And I swear to you, I was in Harlem with Markeisha, and I couldn't figure out where I was. They got a Whole Foods coming in. They've got Abercrombie and Fitch. I mean, they have places I just... All these white people with dogs. <laughs> you know, you know when the dogs are there. It's a problem. And, and baby strollers. What is, what is this? So, I don't know. I think my friend Tommy Brown's not coming. <sighs> I don't know where he is. Well, you know, that's what happens when you try to do these bi-coastal junkets. You know, you just get ex- exhausted and trying to stay on top of stuff. So, I don't know. He's all forgiven, so I'm not mad at him because I know he's been working tirelessly shelling this film across the country and trying to sort of get this thing seen. So, And have you seen uh, like a screener's copy or um, have, have you seen the film yet? No, I haven't. And I was waiting. I was waiting to see it with him in New York because mm. I know it's coming to New York. And I was waiting to just like go see it with him and catch up with him and all of that kind of stuff. Because, you know, who doesn't like to walk a red carpet? <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't? So, um, oh, you know what? I went to another event, too, fr- last Friday with um, my sorority sister, Odell Montgomery Cooper, who is the director of culinary over at CONCAT. Mm-hmm. And she was the keynote at the Connecticut Parent Forum or something. And, I, you know, I didn't know this organization, but it was a well-done thing. They had a mariachi band. Just like, I think the woman's name was Marilyn Rodriguez. I think she's the executive director. Um, but she put on a good, a good um, gala. It was, it was informative. People got awards. My other sorority sister, Dr. Um, Sora Ma- um, Misa Akbar, got an award. Somebody else from her office got an award. So it was impressive. I was like, okay. So it was good. So I said the food was good. Champagne was flowing. <laughs> I mean, they had a lot of champagne at this thing. And uh, and so we, we stayed. We didn't stay for the party part because after the awards and stuff, they had like an all-out party. I was like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I have to go home. So so we hung as long as we could, and uh, it was a good. Odell gave a really moving um, keynote. You know, she talked about young people and how how we need to pay attention to them and, and uh, support their choices. And, you know, because her son was killed just a few months ago in New Haven and, uh, or ha- on the New Haven Hamden line. And, uh, and so she, she brought it full circle with that, you know, and it was so moving that the room just got silent, right? People were sort of moved, very moved by um, what she had to say and, and I was moved by it. And even though I know the story, I mean, I was, every, every time I hear it, I'm always like, wow, wow. So, so yeah. So, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot going on this weekend in New Haven. New Haven is chock full of all kinds of things. Yeah, I don't see anybody calling in, so I don't know what's happening. No, no little thing popping up. But, you know, it doesn't matter because I could talk forever. <laughs> I can just talk forever. I got all this time. And uh, I could just chat it up and see what's going on. So, um, 
let me fill you in on um so everybody's been following all the stuff that's going on well stuff that went on in tulsa the stuff that's gone on in uh, maryland uh charlotte and charlotte i you know i used to live in charlotte and um it is quite heartbreaking i've i still have i have friends have friends in charlotte uh i think we're i think we are in this real i mean the, i i honestly think these are teachable moments for for the world you know we've got a presidential candidate who is at the minimum, inflammatory. <laughs> At the minimum, inflammatory. Uh, we have millennials who are twisted and t- torn. And I, I find that challenging. Um, and I find the old guard, you know, um, not swinging hard enough at this inflammatory language. Although I, 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 um, I messaged uh Paul, the New York Times is finally coming out using the word liar in relationship to Donald Trump. Like liar. Yeah. And and the New York Times had a very interest so their coverage, I think, of, of Trump has been largely on point. But they also had a really interesting piece on uh the convention of he said, she said journalism and whether or not it works for an election that like it it's not that the train's going too fast. It's that it was off the rails like two months ago. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. And I think, I, I really do think that people took Donald Trump as a joke. Mm. So they didn't press because they just thought, oh, this is just a news cycle. He'll go, it'll go away. He'll, he'll, you know, because he ran before and he just got wiped out in the, right. In the primary stuff. So, here we are. He's here to stay with this inflammatory language. And it really sounds like a call to disorder for the folks that live in that kind of discourse, <laughs> you know, that, that live, that live in that, in that kind of discourse. And my friend um, who I had on last week, Will Spivy, um, who is a gadfly of sorts around political, uh, writing um, has been you know, ha- hitting this pretty hard from his blog, um, Enigma in Black. Um, and so we are in this strange political climate uh, with the resurgence of, well, the resurgence for white folks of having these larger conversations about race. I mean, we've always had these conversations mm-hmm. and we've always had to tell our kids, you know, how to behave with the police and that kind of thing. But now even that seems to be of no consequence, you know. So it's just, you know, these are quite troubling times. And no one is immune, right? There's no community that is immune. Like if we could, a few years ago we saw Skip Gates going to his front door and, and the police questioning him about why are you at this house? And he's like, well, I live here. And they, what? Take, arrest him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, your house, you know. And I and I think it's because people's perceptions of where black people are, the spaces that black people can occupy are always suspect, Mm. always suspect. And so I find that a little challenging at 53. uh, 
It feels like 1963 or 1953 or 1923. Like it feels. Yeah. Or 1823. Or 1823. Like it, it feels like, like, even though I, I, I like to believe we progressed, it feels like we are regressing. Or maybe if you're metaphysical like I am, the things that you have not dealt with come back around to be dealt with. You know, not like karma, but, you know, the things that you've swept under the rug rear its head again, come back around. And then you have to sort of deal with that. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm interested, Babs, in knowing where you, I love asking people where they go for news and for what they're reading about how different communities are responding. And so I know, for instance, certain people will say, well, I go to the New York Times or BBC other people go to, um, you know, Mike or Vox.com or um, The Establishment or Alive or Feministing. Awesomely Lovey is uh, obviously something that you go to if, mm-hmm. if you've been reading Lovey AJ's, um, Ajay's work. And, and so I'm, I'm interested. Can you tell listeners some of the places you go for news? I mean, I go everywhere, right? Because I, I, I'm a news junkie, right? So I read, I read, I read just about everything. Um, of course, I mean, I, I, I like a lot of people. I go to the, the big go-to ones. I go to, um, uh, Wall Street Journal, but you know, I, I'll check out the Daily Beast. I'll check out the Salon. I check out, um, um, uh, uh, Very Good Brothers, right? I check them out. I mean, there's a lot of black voices out there that I, I listen to, um, who, who get it right all the time. Uh, I'm digging Kelly Wickham, my friend. Um, her site being black at school, which is, you know, shedding the light on all of, you know, what's happening to black kids in, in and out of school. Um, school is not a safe place for black kids these days. Um, so I try, but I try not to, um, overwhelm myself in news because you, I used to do that. Right. And you come away with post traumatic stress disorder, which I already have. I don't need to add to it. Um, particularly in this social media age, you can you can spend your time chasing these stories one after the other, one after the other, and it can be quite exhausting. So, um, but I I do my due diligence like everybody else. I I like to read the long things. I like to digest things. Uh, of course, I read the inner city newspaper. I mean, we belong to the national newspaper. Uh, association, which is the co- collective of about 200 newspapers from around the country, black newspapers from around the country. And, and a lot of the, and that collective, a lot of those newspapers um, have hard hitting journalists on their, their um, payrolls. Uh, we don't, you know, the inner city, we're small little, we're small and, you know, it's expensive and, but we try to, but, but because we're part of the NNPA, that we can get that information mm-hmm. and share it with our readership. And it is written by black people to black people. Um, and so that's good. And then, you know, we lift stuff from the New Haven Independent because of that relationship. Um, because that gives us the local day-to-day um, access to information that a lot of people probably wouldn't go to the website to check out, you know. So... So I read a lot of stuff. 
I try to read local. And then, you know, and I try to read what's going on in the rest of the world. I'm very conscious of what's going on in Africa and the Chinese influence in parts of Africa right now, right? So, um, and that's becoming a problem. We've, we've run a couple of stories in the paper um, about that and how that is um, the face of, of some parts of Africa is starting to change because of heavy Chinese influence and manufacturing. You know, so that's pretty... You know, I'm paying attention to what's going on in Israel and Palestine and that conversation. I'm paying attention to what's happening in France, you know, and and the and and that part of the world. I mean, it's a lot. Go, it's a lot. The world is in. I think it's always been that way. I think news and social media has just been able to give us day to day play. Whereas you would just hear something once a week about what's happening. Now you get day to day. Um, and I think terrorists start to understand this whole social media game. <laughs> like now they're, now they're on the social media tip. I'm like, okay. You know, um, and I think it's hard when you're in this political season to see things in a perspective because both sides are spinning this thing everybody wants to stand up and sort of look like they are leaders that they have things under control. Now I'm, I'm with her. I, I have been with her from jump. So I'm, I, I understand politics and I understand. I don't, I don't get into this whole likability mass or, um, politics. That's about how you feel. <laughs> I'm, you know, I look at what, what do we need to do? And who could do it? I have no faith whatsoever in Donald Trump to do anything other than stamp Trump on everything that is his. And I'm with President Obama. You have a 70-year-old man who has never been about anybody's justice or uplift. And now you think he's going to be your champion. Has never served in office anywhere. doesn't even have a passing understanding of how government works. Doesn't even have a passing that his kids wasn't even registered to vote in New York. That's how that's how where they were. They just was like voting is not for us. Like we're that's so beneath us. <laughs> we just live in a world. We just live our lives in a different kind of way. And I don't know. I I it's baffling to me how people can see him as their champion and the solution to whatever they imagine are the problems, whatever they imagine. Cause this is huge imagination. Make America great again. But I, that makes no sense to. No, I, I prefer, I've seen make America Mexico again <laughs> um, and make America gay again. And I, I prefer both of those a lot, a lot more. I haven't seen Make America Gay again. <laughs> I saw that during Pride a lot in New York. I, I like that. I like that. I, you know what? I need that on my car. <laughs> yes. So, listen. I'm all for taco trucks on every corner. I'm for that. I'm for that. And, and women who are voting for Trump, you ought to revoke your vaginas. I'm telling you. Because he has no respect for women or women's ability to think, or the spaces that women feel safe in. He has no respect for that. And he's already shown that, you know. 
and uh, I, I'm baffled by that level of, and he just plays to it. And, you know, I read something that he has spent no money on ads, but yet he is all over the airwaves. And I have to blame the networks for that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I think there is a school of thought that's not incorrect that says the media has created Trump. They have. And they have to own that. They do. They have to own that. And, uh, you know, anytime we can be, you know, uh, infotained, you know, and not news. And I, I, I understand that they, we are in the entertainment business now. We're not in the news business. Because mm. we're in the news business, Al Jazeera would be still on. <laughs> Al Jazeera America would still have a station. Yeah. You know, PBS would, you know, be broader <laughs> if we were interested in news. But we're not. We're interested in Kardashians and Trumps and and Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt getting divorced. Like that, like that took over the news. It took over the news. Like there's a riot. There's a riot in a prison right now. And, and, there's, and no one is talking about that. Right. But we're talking about Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt getting divorced. And that, that is neither here nor there or anywhere. People get divorced in this country all the time. <laughs> People get married every day. But because this celebrity uh, frenzy, we, you know, we feed on the celebrityness. Uh, we find ourselves um, eating a steady diet of celebrity mm. and celebrities passing as news. <laughs> Who cares if they're getting divorced? I mean, okay, I have some empathy for that. I don't want to see, I've been divorced. I don't want to see anybody get divorced, but a whole news lead with that? <laughs> like, you lead with that. Like, that's as important as what is happening in Charlotte. That That is as important as what's happening in Syria. Like, that's as important as what's happening in, you know, like, what is that? That's, that's you know, we've got to uh, listen. If there are any liberal intellectuals out there, you have got to wrestle back. <laughs> Critical analysis. <laughs> And intelligent conversations. We have to do that. We have to have those conversations. We can't, we've got to push back this dumbing down of America, you know, and this taking hostage of these schools and, and, and revisionist history mm. and, you know, and Texas wanting to call slavery some kind of opportunity, right? Like, <laughs> like we can't, we, we have to stay woke 24-7. We have to stay woke because if we don't, um, America is, is going to suffer greatly. And I don't, you know, much as I'm not, as much as I am not a fan of the founding fathers, uh, they did have some foresight about how they wanted this country to be. Now, they wasn't talking about people of color nor were they talking about women. <laughs> like, okay, so you subtract those things out. But, but at the heart and the core of what was said and what was crafted, really was, it really was something. Really is something. The Constitution that says, you know, 
we the people, right? I mean, that's a, who else has that? No one else has that. That's, a, that's an amazing sort of thing. Um, and we have to, so when Ka- Ka- Colin Kaepernick wants to kneel, that is at the essence of the heart of who we say we are. You have the freedom to express yourself as long as it doesn't hurt your neighbors, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. That's your protest. We can't shut that down. Because if we shut that down, we might as well be North Korea. Mm. <laughs> we might as well just be North Korea, right? And sports teams have taken on the kneeling. You know, I've, I've seen it now with, um, with women's basketball teams in the WNBA. I've seen it with, um, I think in Oakland, there was a performance last night before uh, like a football game or a base. I don't even know what sports season it is. But, um, but th- this, this band, this high school band was playing the national anthem and they knelt. Yes, as they I were saw playing, that. Which was so amazing. Uh, to think of logistically playing an instrument and kneeling at the same time. It's like you're doing a lot of things. <laughs> and um, But it was also really powerful to it see was. that. It was. It, I was so moved by that. I really was. And I think, and this is, that's the beauty of social media, right? Because we, we wouldn't have been able to see that several years ago. We, we could have heard about it or if some local newspaper... Um, carried it we would have known like that like through the apy or something but because it's social media somebody posted and posted and posted and so we could see it like we could see these children do it we could listen to it um and it's a movement that people are starting to sort of understand and embrace and i think professional athletes have a responsibility we we all do we all have a responsibility but i think they have a responsibility too more than just pedal sports drinks and sneakers because if you could peddle sports drinks and sneakers then you can absolutely say i think there is a real problem with racism in this country i don't care if you got 20 50 100,000 million dollars that that means nothing because at the end of the day if you get stopped in your car cam newton <laughs> those police officers are not going to give a dog on about how much money you have in your bank account or what designer clothes you have on your back. They're going to see that black skin and black skin of the moment is a weapon. (laughs) It's perceived as a weapon. Your blackness is a weapon so much so that it incites people to kill you because they are afraid. So I think, um, I think athletes can't be silent. I don't think they. I don't think they can afford it now. Otherwise, they look ridiculous on the wrong side of history. So, I'm glad that Colin Kaepernick has stuck to his guns. Ha, guns. Yeah. Stuck to his his principles, and um, decided to sort of just like I'm gonna stand in this space. Mm-hmm. And and others have done it. Lest we forget, a lot of. Athletes have stood in that space and paid hefty prices. But the price of freedom, and my friends who know me, the price of freedom is always high. It's just, what are we willing to pay? People have paid with their lives for freedom. You know, Some people have paid with their lives, and a lot more people will pay with their lives. You know, So we, we've got a lot of work to do, America. 
in this age of race. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking race with white folks. I'm going to let white folks handle that on their own. Y'all need to go seek and uh the the uh I think NYU just put out a Black Lives Matter syllabus. They did. They did and it's great. It is. And I'm thinking and and I read a lot of those books on there already, but there are some that I haven't read that I'm thinking this might be my winter read. Mm. <laughs> Pull all these books and but 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 that's how you start to shift and change. Everybody has to do their part. Like Yale should have been the first ones to do that, right? Like they, they should have done that. Like they should have said, you know what? This is the issue we could jump in. You know, this was where the Black Panther Party trial was. So, it's, so Yale's no stranger to controversy, to race, to any of that. I just, you know, I would have loved to have seen them take some leadership and say, no, we're gonna follow NYU. We gonna have a, we gonna have a Black Lives Matter curriculum. And you know what? We we like we believe in this so much. We gonna open it up, and whoever wants to come and learn and sit in these classrooms and hear and learn, we we welcome you. And we're not gonna charge you a dime. Just come, and we'll offer it side by side with our students. But they won't do that because mm. that's. But what, can you imagine what that would do if people oh, yeah. could say, I you know I sat in in the Black Lives Matter c- curriculum at Yale. For however long the semester is, and really immerse and have dialogue with local people and academics alike across the city, you know, in the spirit of learning and trying to understand. <sighs> if I rule the world, <laughs> I would love. This is a uh, yeah, President Rawls Ivy for. What is it too late for yeah. this time around? Maybe yeah, no, uh, maybe twenty twenty. No, it's too late. I'm too old to be. No, I can't Mm-mm. do it. I'd be cussing too much. Be <laughs> like that. You have to. I'd have a tip jar in every school. Every <laughs> it's like y'all want a fundraiser. President Babs is coming. Get your jars ready. You could raise a lot of money just on the basis of me cussing so much. So. But yeah, that but that it's those kinds of things that I I wish uh, it's those kinds of things that could go a long way in turning this ship, turning this ship, and we have to be about the business of turning the ship. And people have to acknowledge that there's a real like this woman who shot this guy in Charlotte, Clarence, and they arrested her, and she's not in jail; she's out on, she's out, uh, and I don't think she has any remorse. I don't think she thinks she did anything, you know, and she's going to, they're going to spend this all kinds of ways, but right, you know, and, 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 you know, the, the hard truth is she'll probably go to jail. She'll probably, as the woman, the only woman in all these men who have shot people, mm. she'll be the one that goes to jail and, and do a lot of time. She, not, not the other officers who've done this, her, she'll go to jail, you know? So that's the, that's the other flip side of that. And I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to cut her a pass or anything. So I can't believe I spent this whole hour talking. <laughs> I'm, I would do it again. I think we should have the Babs talk hour. The Babs talk, Babs talk therapy. <laughs> People call in with their concerns about the world. Yes. Like, Babs, what do you think? Listen, listen, listen. And I could do that. I could say, you know what? People are crazy. I think people, I think, I think people, um, I think people need to be kinder. I, I wonder what Stephen Carter is making out of all of this. You know, I read his book, Civility. You know, I, I'd like to talk to him and ask him, you know, what does he think of this political climate? And Nola, if you're listening, 
ask him. Send, tell him to send me an email or something. Um, because I think there's enough people in the world that do good. I think there's a lot of people who are trying to do good. I think we have to get the media to sort of focus on that and turn away from the exploitive, sensational, heightened, hyper entertainment news or what, what passes as news. You know, everybody wants the higher ratings. Everybody wants to be on the scene first. And that does not help us. It does not raise the intelligence of the masses. It just makes us all stupid. I'm a little, I wish the media, and I'm a part of this too. So we do our part here at WNHH 103.5. You know, this little radio station that is having big effect in this city and beyond, that people really listen. Every, there's not a day that goes by that somebody doesn't stop me and say, I like what y'all doing over there. How can I be, uh, you know how you could be a part of it? Listen, tune in, tell people to listen. The people really like it. And I like it. I listen to so many different shows. I listen to your show, The Kitchen Sink. I love that show. I love um, the, um, the cocktail thing, cocktail conversation. The culture cocktail. Culture yeah. cocktail. I love the. I love the way she sounds. I like the way she. I like. I listen to. Mich- I listen to Michelle Turner. I listen to Tom Breen. I listen to. Um, I listen to Paul Bass um, when he's talking. I like Chai Haven. I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I tune in and I listen, I listen, I listen. So anyway, listen, thank you all for listening to me. Today. I don't know what happened to my friend Tommy Brown, but he gets a pass with me. So I'm not upset or mad or anything because I know what he's trying to do. And I wanted to do my part to support his effort. So um, I'll have him back. We'll reschedule him. He's out there in California right now. So maybe I get to have him when he's closer and the time difference isn't so much. So no worries, Tommy Brown. I love you. Always will love you. I'm always a member of um, Bugsby Pictures. So I don't know who I'm talking to next week, Lucy. It's going to be good. But you know, I always talk to the most interesting people. So so thank you all for listening. All right, let's go. We want to dance. I want to dance.